people ask me this question all the time. They're like, isn't it hard to brand a service because it's really intangible and you can't hold it in your hand? I, you know, the mindset shift that I would offer is your brand is your humanity and there's nothing more human than service. Welcome to Mastering Your Exit Strategy. I'm your host, Christine Trumbull, a certified exit planning advisor, CPA, and certified tax strategist. I've spent the last 30 years working with owners to grow and scale their businesses, and then went on to help my own husband grow his. After his passing, I moved to the next chapter, ensuring seamless transitions for family-owned and closely held businesses. Each week, we are talking to experts about growth and transition, so you can not only simplify exiting your business, but also get as much wealth out of your business as possible. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. Welcome to Mastering Your Exit Strategy. I am Christine Trumbull, your host, and today we are uh, revisiting another episode from my podcast last year called Coaching the Climb. Today, we're going to revisit Deb Gabor. She is a powerhouse when it comes to branding. And she is going to drop so much value. And we are we had so much fun having this conversation, doing this interview, because we, it was just two girls, friends talking, and uh, it, it got, it was just a lot of fun. And so I had to, because it was fun and because there was so much value in it, I had to bring it back for uh, mastering your exit strategy, because it truly speaks to that marketing piece when you want to scale and build value in your company. And that's what we're talking about. That's what it's all about. So without further ado, here is the entire episode again. I hope you find as much value in it as I did. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, let's go. Bye. Thank you for joining us on The Climb with Christine. We have my amazing friend, Deb Gabor, someone who doesn't even realize it, but she does keep me on my toes. All right. She is, <laughs> I had no idea. No, you didn't. She is a leading expert, but that doesn't even come close to describing her passion for brands. Um, more accurate brand guru, brand impresario, and brand evangelist. I can wholeheartedly agree with all of those. She has written two branding books, best-selling Branding is Sex and Irrational Loyalty. And I love Deb because she, I loved her. I have to very quickly say, I was introduced to you in a video training and you came across as my soul sister. (laughs) We we just, I know I just got a little bit, I think I just crossed the line with Deb, but but I feel strongly about you, Christine. Thank you. I really do. (laughs) She tells it like it is, and she is very passionate and incredibly good at branding. So thank you for joining me, Deb. I really appreciate you being here with me. Oh, I'm so glad to be here too. And I just, um, I really admire the journey that you've been on. I think we met at the beginning of the pandemic when everybody was sort of scrambling around and you had just really sort of just stood up this, this coaching practice and you were kind of untethered and a little bit out there. And that's, that's how we met. And I've made so many incredible relationships over the course of the pandemic. I've, I've cultivated this incredible engaged community of people, people that I probably never would have met had it not been 
for the pandemic. So I, I kind of feel like my friend Todd, my friend Todd Palmer, the itty bitty shitty committee guy, he says it's something that that happened for us, not to us. Agreed. Yes, I have to. I have to wholeheartedly agree with that. I love. I have definitely too made a lot of relationships that I would not have made had not been for the pandemic. So let's get into it for this um, early launch episode. If you had just one piece of advice, one one piece of that secret sauce that you could give to uh, a business owner for success, what would that be? Ah, that would be to start off by thinking of yourself as a brand. You have a brand, whether you like it or not. Perception is reality. And I always say this, it's one of my mantra, brand or be branded. And you should really, really think of yourself as a brand because your brand is a story and it's the story of the core DNA of your organization. It encapsulates your values and beliefs and the part of your business that you use at this as this incredible magnet to draw to you people who share similar values and beliefs, people who are aligned with your values and beliefs. And so um, I'll, I talk to a lot of business owners who don't understand branding or they say, I don't believe in branding. Um, I say brand early, often, and always, cause it's an always on activity brand or be branded. You have a brand, whether you like it or not. And so that's, that's my big piece of secret sauce. The organizations that I've seen scale rapidly mm-hmm. and do it profitably and with focus and have fun while doing it. One thing that they all have in common is that they think of themselves as a brand and, and they manage their business as a brand. Okay. So let me ask it. So the, 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 the term gets thrown around a lot, brand, mm-hmm. and and a lot of people are definitely introduced um, to brand yourself and and what you said. You have a brand, whether you like it or not. So, what is what exactly does that look like? Because it's especially especially when I was introduced to it early on, you know, you brand yourself. What does that look like? What does that mean? I don't have a color. People think sure, brand sure. colors and fonts. Yeah. You know, when you think of what a brand is, like your mind immediately goes to, you know, that, that metal, that iron thing that gets heated up in the fire. And then they use on the, on the rear end of a cow. Right. And I mean, and that's, I mean, initially that's, that's really what, what a brand is. When I think about what a brand is, whether you're talking about a brand for, you know, a gigantic multinational global corporation, or, you know, you're a solopreneur, you're an entrepreneur with, you know, a, a micro business of some kind, what, what your brand is, it's the collective emotional response to your product or service. It is the thing that transcends the functional benefits of what you are providing. And I always say that the goal of branding, because I agree with you, this notion of brand has been super commoditized. Yeah. Everybody says they are a brand. Everybody says they do branding. Like it's created like all kinds of confusion in my world. But brand comes down to this. The purpose of brand is to create this condition that I call irrational loyalty. And irrational loyalty is where you are so indelibly bonded to something that you would feel like you were cheating on it if you were to choose something else. It's like how I feel about my iPhone. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a I'm a single middle-aged woman who, you know, I'm I I I meet new people and we exchange phone numbers and things like that. And maybe I'm gonna try to arrange a dinner date with somebody. This is how irrationally loyal I am to my iPhone. If I get a text message from a new dude and it comes through with a green text bubble, I get a little bit twitchy because I make up a story in my mind about what this person is, is like, because he doesn't use an iPhone. iPhone. (laughs) Yeah. And so this condition of irrational loyalty really is available to any kind of business. It's available to any kind of person. 
right? Mm -hmm. It's available whether you serve other businesses or you serve consumers, whether you have products or you have services, whether you are up market or you are down market, Mm -hmm. you have the ability to create this condition of irrational loyalty. And so like brand yourself is creating that condition of irrational loyalty. The relationship that you have with other people that when, when we behave on brand for our friendship and I do something nice for you, you do something nice for me, we deposit into the shared emotional bank account, which is the thing that prevents me from kicking you out on your behind. Should you stay over at my house and like leave your wet towel on the bed? (laughs) Right. Yeah. The same is true of the relationships that businesses have with their customers and customers have with their businesses. So when I think of branding, I'm thinking about all of that, not just the physical brand, which is the mark on the behind of the cattle. Okay. So this may be putting you on the spot a little bit, but I doubt it. Uh, Nothing puts me on the spot. uh, Can you give an example for, um, you know, when I think building a rational loyalty, I think immediately that perceptually, that's not a good word. That's not, what am I trying to say? Thank God for editors. (laughs) Spit it out, Christine. Bring it. Uh, Yeah. If if you have a tangible product, I would think it would be easier to create to create irrational loyalty for a tangible product than it would be if you had a service. So hmm, interesting. It's interesting that you say that because I disagree wholeheartedly. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I actually think it's easier to create irrational loyalty if you have a service because there are human beings behind service. The product of service is human beings, human relationships. And, and when you're talking about values and beliefs, it's really difficult to bestow values and beliefs into this lipstick. It's really hard to put values and beliefs into, you know, this phone or whatever. Yeah. It serves some kind of a functional benefit. You know, this is what Mac twig that I'm wearing here and I like it and I'm irrationally loyal to it because I think that it makes me look good. But the minute I see something prettier, I'm like, Oh, I like that or something for $5 less. When there are human beings behind the brand, it's, I think it's easier to deliver on the values and beliefs of the brand and, and make those deep, deep, deep human connections. And in today's world, the big trend that's going on that actually got accelerated and exacerbated by our experience of the pandemic is that purchase influencers are largely requiring that the brands that they patronize, whether they be products or services, that those show up with a set of values and beliefs. People want to know what's in the gooey inside. They want to know what you stand for. They want to know what you're all about. They, because the brands that they use, whether they are services or products, the brands that they use, what they eat, what they drink, what they wear, what they drive, the software they hire for their company, the consulting firm, the accounting firm, whatever, they all become part of the person who uses them. It's really easy to, to make another person part of you, right? We've all had these relationships. You have kids, you have, you have loved ones, you have very, very good friends. We know what that feels like. Your brand is the human part of your business. And, and so, because uh, people ask me this question all the time, they're like, isn't it hard to brand a service because it's really intangible and you can't hold it in your hand? I, you know, the mindset shift that I would offer is your brand is your humanity and there's nothing more human than service. Good point. That's, that's okay. So then how do you transcend that down to staff? Ah, okay. So, um, 
I, I'm a huge fan, huge fan of, of having a core values driven organization okay. and ensuring that those core values are inclusive of the relationships that you have with your customers. Right. And I, you know, I'm really proud of the core values driven organization that I've created. I run a services business. I've been, uh, I have owned and run my own services business for 17 years. And over the course of those 17 years, I don't know, maybe we've had like 150 staff like rotate through our doors, right? Right. And and uh, the one thing that is true and authentic about our business, regardless of whether it was 17 years ago or it was a week ago, is this anchoring in those core values. And those core values are attached to our brand. Okay. And we do everything as an organization through the lens of our core values. We really, really do. The way that we choose clients, mm -hmm. the way that we engage with each other at work, the way that we communicate, how we, um, how we hire, how we coach, how we mentor. And that's one of the best ways to ensure that you have a brand-driven culture is when your brand is really, really connected to those core values. And can I tell you what my core values are? Uh, please. All right. They're yes. And yes. And it comes from improv. Yes. Does not signal agreement. It signals acknowledgement and is open to possibility. Right. We do hard things. Mm -hmm. The kind of work that we do is really hard. Branding is really hard. You know that it's about choice and it's yeah. more about the choice of what you don't do than it is what you do do there. See, I got to say do do on your show. <laughs> Um, we do hard things, but also it talks about like, we work really hard at hard work. Third one, my favorite value and the one that people always, always want to know more about be the CEO of your own desk. That's an accountability value. That's all about you show up within the realm of what is under your control and in your purview, yeah. you are autonomous and you are supported in making decisions that move your business forward. And then we have a win for one is a win for all, which is all about emphasizing the shared wins. And then finally use your magic. Every single person on our team, everyone in the company, all of our clients, everyone in our ecosystem are magical effing unicorns. And we want everyone to bring all of that magic with them. So that's, that's a, that's a value that speaks a lot about uh, inclusion and uniqueness and, and specialness. And uh, I have many people on my team who are, who are marketers who don't come from a marketing background. I, I want them to bring their experience of life to the table because all of it has value. So those are our core values. They attach very well to our, you know, our purpose and our mission and, and vision as a brand and, and the role that we play in the world of creating irrational loyalty and transforming love hate relationships that people have with their marketing agencies into love, love relationships, <laughs> right? Which is our promise. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's the best way to make sure that your brand transcends and also is driven through your people. That's fantastic. I, and I love those core values. I absolutely love those core values. Um, and so what, what about, um, how, how has your approach to building irrational loyalty and branding, um, changed or morphed if it has at all during, during 2020, during COVID? Ah, uh, yes. Um, it, I don't think that it's changed as much as it's like, gone 
flame on actually uh i i'm one of the people that from the very very beginning of the pandemic you know i I had this weird thing happen where my jim collins good to great book just happened to be like within arm's reach and when shit started to oh am i allowed to say that yes of course absolutely yeah all right so when shit started to go south i was like why is this book here? Like, I, I don't know. I was very prescient and the book opened directly to the passage about the Stockdale paradox and everything. Oh, and yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And my coach and I created this incredible exercise for our team because we were, I think that all of my speaking engagements got canceled the day before we were supposed to do our in-person quarterly training yeah. for Q2 or our quarterly planning for Q2. And so my coach was like on his way to Austin to meet with us when like the whole world was falling apart. And I was like, holy crap, we need to do something here. And so we created this exercise uh, based on the Stockdale paradox that really helped us face the brutal facts of our reality and and maintain optimism Mm -hmm. during that time and then create a very, very specific who, what, when plan. But the the part of it that that was my approach to branding was to infuse into that process, asking the question of how can we be indispensable to people at this time? Excellent. And looking at everything through the lens of how can we be indispensable to people at this time? And so that, I mean, that was a little bit of a a change, just kind of a nuance to that. And so what I uncovered as a way to be indispensable to people at that time, and now probably for the rest of my existence is that there was never a better time than, than at the beginning of the pandemic to just come forward and share my expertise for free without obligation with the purpose of elevating other people and helping them navigate a really difficult time. I was, I was faced with the brutal reality of, um, who knows how long I was going to be locked in this room in my house, <laughs> right. no speaking engagements, nowhere to go, nothing to do. And I was like, Hey kids, this is what I told the people at my company. I was like, Hey kids, let me create some content, right? But let me do it. Let me do it through this lens of how can I be indispensable to people at this time? So um, that's a little bit how it changed. And um, it massively transformed my business during the pandemic. That's fantastic. That's absolutely fantastic. So tell me a little bit, which branding is sex was first and then irrational loyalty was second. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell me a little bit about, um, what to expect in branding is sex. Well, branding is sex, believe it or don't is a how-to book. It's a how-to book about branding, not a how-to book about sex. <laughs> Many people need a how-to book about sex, although it's been so long for me. I might need a how-to book. I don't know. Um, anyway, yeah. Branding is sex is a how-to book. And it really talks about this methodology that we use. Like the core of the methodology is that the best brands in the world are the ones that, that, aim their brand at a singular ideal archetypal customer. And they create a very, very clear picture of who that person is. And they are relentlessly focused on that and that they become indispensable to those people by becoming part of them. And they do that by asking the question of what does it say about a person that they use the brand? What's the one thing they get from the brand that they can't get from any other brand, which speaks to one of the things I harp on all the time, which is singularity and uniqueness 
which is a higher power than differentiation. And then the third question, how do you make people a hero in their own story? And that's like that book sort of exposes that methodology, breaks it down in a way that even CEOs can understand, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, marketers (laughs) hate my books because they, they basically take these like somewhat esoteric concepts that are for marketers and make them palatable for for short attention span CEOs like me, like you, you know, like your, like your audience and, and really boils it down to like very, very tactical and actionable steps to build the strategic foundation of your brand. I also think it's really fun to read because of the way that I wrote the book. So what people can expect, if you, if you like listening to me talk, I mean, doesn't it sound like I like listening to me talk? Um, but if you like listening to me talk, when you read the book, it's going to come across like I'm in your ear while you're reading it because I basically dictated the book. I had a conversation with another person to create that book. So that's what to expect from branding is sex. No, it is not a sex book. Uh, you know, I am a branding expert and I knew that if I put the word sex and laid on yeah. the cover of the book, I would sell a lot of them. So, so frequently misunderstood, but a very, very serious business book within. Excellent. Excellent. So um, kind of off the branding topic, actually not kind of, but totally off the branding topic. What is inspiring you right now? What is inspiring me right now? That's a, you know what? That's a really good question. I often ask the question, what are you obsessed with right now? And I, and I had a, I had a candidate for a position at my company answer the question of what are you obsessed with right now? She said, fried chicken. <laughs> I am obsessed with fried chicken, eating it, cooking it, reading about it, talking about it, watching TV shows about it. I, I and I was like, I have to hire her. So yeah, I don't um, think I have a problem with that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, let's see. What am I inspired by right now? You know what I'm inspired by right now? I am inspired by kick ass women leaders. I went through, I, I have a now, I mean, I calculate, I have a 31 year career. Wow. Uh, like, wow. like adult life career. I mean, yep. this is not including my jobs during high school and college where I not did things like I cleaned life. latrines at a summer camp and I worked <laughs> at a, I, I, I worked at an amusement park, but like in my like grown up career, I have a mm-hmm. 31 career. I mean, that's like a 31 year career. That's like a lifetime. And over the course of that career, I always worked in male dominated spaces, mm-hmm. whether it was like, you know, my, my growing up in the technology industry or working in services businesses that serve the technology industry or um, being an entrepreneur for the last 17 years. And I never fully appreciated how alone and isolated and kind of on an island I was. Mm -hmm. And I recently became aware of the fact that it's a very, very, very small percentage of the businesses that make over a million dollars a year that are owned by women. Mm -hmm. There's a vast, you know, there's a large contingent of women owned businesses, but very, very few of them. I think I read it was like 2%. Yep ever crack the million dollar mark. Yeah. And then ready to open up my soapbox, man. (laughs) Yeah. And, and so that I have to say that like really opened my eyes to wow, because I've been cracking that million dollar mark again and again and again for 17 years, like consistently profitably, you know, and, 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 you know, keeping that train running on the tracks and whatever. And I think about what I, what I had achieved with so much adversity against me that I didn't realize 
maybe was there. I mean, I feel like, I feel like I'm really fortunate. I'm really lucky. And in a lot of ways, I, I, my, my masculine traits, which like, I, like I got a lot more yang than I do yin. (laughs) I'm very much a woman, but like, I, you know, I, I think that I powered through a lot of that. And so it wasn't until a couple of years ago where I, I looked around to see if I could have a different experience of entrepreneurship and frankly of life in the company of other very successful women who, who had cracked that egg of getting into that 2%. And, and what I found was, it was inspiration, um, vulnerability, um, experience, shared experience, but then also different experience that titillated me and engaged me and made me curious and made me grateful and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I am like, I am on this, just like, show me other kick-ass women leaders kind of kick. Cause previously I identified, like I identified as an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and I identified as entrepreneur first. Now I identify as woman first, mm-hmm. then entrepreneur, right. And then woman entrepreneur, right. Right. If that makes any sense. No, it makes total sense. I know exactly what you're saying. I, 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 I understand exactly what you're saying. I mean, for the first probably 20 years of my career, I really walked around in this bubble of, you know, la da da da. here I am being a professional and doing my thing. And, oh, and were you one of the guys? Cause like, I was always one of the guys. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And there yeah. was pride in that. It was sort of like, I had to put away, I had to put away anything that was like related to being a woman yes. and, and just, just like be one of the guys. Right. Exactly. But we lose, I feel we, lo- we, we lost something when we did that, or we lose the ability to do to be feminine and to still show up and, you know, and, and identify with that woman first entrepreneur, second woman, entrepreneur, third. Mm-hmm. And, and what I think what has been shocking me lately um, through some of the things that I've been going through is that um, I, I literally woke up to this, to this realization. We, <laughs> it's kind of like WTF. Why is my 26-year-old daughter going through and dealing with the same bullshit that my mother dealt with? (laughs) Well, I think they're better prepared for it. I got a quick story about that. So my daughter, who is 23, Mm -hmm. she she works for my company. And a couple of months ago, we were working with a a client where it's a very, very male-driven business. Their entire leadership team are dudes. I mean, and they're like, white privileged dudes. Yeah. I'm not going to mention the name of the client or whatever. <laughs> and, um, I, I have on my team, some brand strategists and marketing associates who are all very, very bright young women. And we were doing a meeting on zoom and it was like a, it was like a workshop kind of format. And in, in this meeting, I, I like, I can't even believe this happened, but in this meeting, I was explaining a concept and one of the men on the other side, you know, like you're looking at the Brady Bunch squares of Zoom, he like points <laughs> yeah. at his camera at the screen and he's like, Deb, stop. And he points at another guy who works for me, who happens to be a very masculine man with a beard and all that kind of stuff. And he points at that guy and he goes, you, you, what, what's your name? Can you please repeat what she said in a way that I can understand it? 
which basically this man was saying, like, could you please say it in your man voice so that so that I understand what this what this woman is prattling on about. And in that moment, I did a thing that really surprised me. I like I totally clammed up and I was like, okay, even my body language, I think I like rolled back in my chair and I, you know, I totally clammed up my daughter, 23 years old, newly minted employee of my company sends me a text message that was like, what the actual F mother, are you going to let him get away with that? That is not okay. Good for her. I know good for her. Yeah. And and let me tell you what, what that did was like, it really turned my head around and it really made me think I'm like, I can no longer let these misogynistic behaviors in the workplace perpetuate, especially not in front of young women, least of all my daughter. Right. And I ended up having a conversation face to face over zoom, uh, with the, the person who was in charge of this client, I was like, we can't let that happen anymore. Let me tell you how that showed up to my team. And, and the fact that I didn't act or say something in that moment, I I, I was like, I missed an opportunity, but I'm going to tell you right now, we can't have any more of that. And, um, I, I can't bring your team into contact with my team if there's going to be that kind of behavior. And then also I was like, I I'm, I'm still hitting myself that I didn't say anything about it in the moment. Right. But my daughter, your daughter, their generation, I think they're more courageous than we are. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. I think, I think for, I think I probably would have done the same thing and, and I'm just as, you know, independent, strong-willed as you are outspoken Mm -hmm. as you are. Um, but I probably would have instinctively done the exact same thing because it's shock and, um, uh, uh, habitual that, yeah, we just, we don't, we don't confront it. We don't, you know, we don't rock. I was like, no, you have to sublimate that and compartmentalize that and put that away. Right. Because there's stuff to be done. Right. And don't, don't, don't rock that boat. Don't upset him. Keep moving forward. Keep the, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. 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 This is, this, you know, this is financially, this is an important relationship, but then again, I go back to like my own methodology, right? The ideal customer archetype. I'm like, Hmm, one of these things is not like the other. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So I'm here preaching the ideal customer archetype to this client who is like looking, looking at a man saying, can you repeat what she said in your man voice? Because I don't understand what she's saying. I'm like, now, is that an ideal customer to me? It like, it really, it really like triggered a lot of emotions. And so, um, you know, you asked me like, what is inspiring to me? Like being around other women leaders who are doing strong things, who are doing cool things, but also women who are who are vulnerable enough to share like where they screwed up and how mm-hmm. they would have done things differently. That's yeah. where I'm learning. That's yeah. really where I'm learning. The other thing that is inspiring me, mm-hmm. and this may sound wacky, um, I'm learning how to identify and name and have my feelings. Excellent. Yeah. Like when I, when I, I, this is how I describe this to other people. And this may be more information than this audience needs, but I'm really good at reporting on my feelings. Like this, you know, I told you about a situation before we started the recording where I like, I'm, I, I, I'm like, I'm really pissed. I'm really angry. Like I, like I should fire off a note to somebody or whatever, but that was me reporting on that because 
I feel like I have the expectation that I should feel angry as a result of this situation. Mm -hmm. What I'm learning to do is to like actually sit back and, and pay attention to the physical sensations in my body, Mm -hmm. which in, in this situation emanate from about like right here. I don't know. What is this? Your heart chakra? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. So like, and I'm not into all this kind of stuff, but maybe some of your audiences, (laughs) but like, I feel a physical sensation in here that is heat. Mm-hmm. And then that heat is expanding and it's rising and it's coming up in my neck and in my face, in my ears. And then I see this vein, like over here on the side of my head, start to throb. Yeah. And, and I'm like, those are the physical sensations of anger. Mm-hmm. Sit in them for a minute right? and feel it and right. actually feel it instead of like blowing past it. Right. Don't react to it. Don't make any decisions in it, but Good actually judgment. feel it. I got to tell you, this has been transformative to me mm-hmm. to like actually identify those feelings. And so, so not just anger, but feeling the physical sensations of gratitude yes. and good fortune yes. and the physical sensations of like warmth and connection mm-hmm. and support. It has made me as a leader for my organization, more present for the people that I support every day. Exactly. So that's another thing that I'm inspired by right now. I, I Feelings. Love I, I, I love that. That's come up a lot um, lately for me in the last, in the last uh, several months to a year or whatever. Yeah. Just recognizing and sitting with the feelings for, uh, for a little bit, not, not living in it, but sitting with it, recognizing it, accepting it, no judgment, not, you know, or anything like that. And then, you know, and, and then, you know, if you need to shifting the energy and, and, you know, doing whatever you need to do to not sit in it, especially if it's, you know, like anger or fear or something like that, or, or grief right. or something, you know, um, and meditation helps with the, the practice of that. Like, yeah. especially, you know, one of the things that I learned when I was starting to learn to meditate was this idea that these, that these feelings that these thoughts, these ideas, they're like floating by on this river. Mm -hmm. And then to just sit there and like watch them and experience them. I like that one. And then let them go out of view. I like that one. Um, That's good. That has been very powerful for me because where your awareness goes is where your energy flows. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I like that one. And, and (laughs) so I am, yeah. So anyway, like who knew it's a podcast about feelings. (laughs) We've gone from, I've been Christine talk the feels. We've gone from branding to sex to feelings. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. Let's talk more about sex. Let's talk about sex, baby. Well, I am, I am definitely, I'm, I'm on a mission. I've realized in the, in the past year, I'm on a mission to get because I had that same realization that that the number of women that have crossed that million dollar threshold has been incredibly small, and I'm that's part of my mission too. <laughs> like, why? You know, why we're not? You know, we're going to change that. That has to change. And women, uh, I I want to see these amazing women you know, recognize their own power and step into it and create these, um, you know, these, these, I don't want to say the word business, but, but it is, you know, create the business that is going to be, you know, not just uh, uh, affecting their immediate life, you know, their family, but then also, you know, affecting the families of the people that are working for them and their families' families. 
you know, so, I mean, when you can do something like that, when you can have this, when you look at, just look at your own, you had how many people working for you? 14. So you're affecting not just those 14 people, but you're affecting their families and potentially those families, families. It's a legacy thing, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. just, that's, that's big. (laughs) It's, it's huge. It's massive. And sometimes it's overwhelming to me to think about how much responsibility I have for that legacy. Yeah. That but then, <laughs> um, uh, also, and it fire, it fires up my imposter syndrome a little bit because then I'm like, why am I responsible for so much? You know, yeah. how am I worthy of this? Like what, yeah, how am I going to screw this up today? Like I literally still wake up every morning. I'm like, how am I going to screw this up today? Right. Which is a very, very honest feeling. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that, that you said that I think that I, that I really keyed in on is that you were like, well, I don't know if I want to call it a business or you don't have to call it a business. No margin, no mission. Right. And even if you're starting a social movement or you're, you know, you're, you're just altruistic or trying to have social impact or whatever, Mm -hmm. a very, very wise coach shared with me no margin, no mission. And so sometimes you have to figure out ways to like businessize something to yes. monetize, yes. you know, monetize your, your impact in some way. Um, if you truly want to make a legacy, you have to have a money-making kind of thing. Now you can right. be a certified B Corp. You could be a nonprofit organization. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to go about that. Um, I believe in business and I believe in entrepreneurs and I believe that the great changes and reimagination to our world is is going to come from entrepreneurs. Oh yeah. And I want to figure out a way that we can clear the path for more women. Mm-hmm. You know, when I talk about like our our very last core value at my company, use your magic, like women have a particular kind of magic mm-hmm. that we need to, you know, we need to like lift the we need to lift the doors on and and let that stuff fly, right? Right. That's yeah. fantastic. Okay. So tell us where um, our listeners can find find you, find out more about you and follow you. <laughs> Surprisingly, it's not on Pornhub. Um, <laughs> having written a book called Branding is Sex, get your customer laid and sell the hell out of anything. You know what? The easiest way to find me, and I am, by the way, all over the internet, which does provide its own problems as a single woman who is trying to date. Yeah. You don't want to be the person that everyone can find. Um I've gotten a lot of unsolicited yeah, things I just from people. Why I'm getting all of these male friend requests. Yeah, on Facebook <laughs> lately. And they're like, are they coming from Nigeria and uh, no, Malaysia? No, and, but they, yeah. but they, they do seem to be in uniform an awful lot. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 yes. They're probably watching. They're probably watching your videos, which um, I got an unsolicited dick pic the other day from somebody who uses my, who uses my videos for, Oh, Not just fun. Oh, okay. I haven't gotten one of those yet. I like, <laughs> I was like both flat. I was both flattered and grossed out at the same time. And I was a little bit like, <laughs> interesting. And then I asked him, I said, which was your, which was your favorite video? And he's like, I really like the one about the pumpkin spice latte industrial complex. And I was like, <laughs> all right, my, my coworker, Tom was in that with me. So maybe he actually likes Tom. I don't know. Anyway. Um, 
Where can people find me besides all over the internet? I mean, you just search on Deb Gabor. You're going to come up with a lot of crazy shit. Um, (laughs) Best way to find me, I have a website, debgabor.com. It's just that easy. You can get things like uh, digital downloads of all of my exercises, including this really powerful Stockdale Paradox exercise. There there are all these like branding exercises, the ones that are covered in branding as sex. You can get free chapter downloads of both Irrational Loyalty and Branding as Sex. There's a ton of video on there. Also, uh, most of the time there's a link on there where you can just click it and you can schedule a 15 minute meeting with me, Fantastic. which, you know, might involve a fun conversation like this. Uh, and I think there's a way to submit a request for me to make dinner for you or something. <laughs> Not actually, but that's a, that's a good gorilla marketing idea. Deb Gabor will make and you dinner. dinner. Yeah. I'm gonna, she'll I'm make gonna reservations <laughs> for dinner. Um, no, honestly, I like to cook. So yeah, debgabor.com, best way to get in touch with me. I'm on all the socials. Okay. I have a LinkedIn live show that I do sometimes once a week, sometimes twice a week, yep. uh, depending on whether I have something to rant about. <laughs> this week I was on twice because I talked about Super Bowl advertising and then I had the great Ami Kassar on with yep. me uh, and I'm on Facebook Live. So yeah, I am the easiest person in the world to find. Fantastic. I will also make sure the links are in the notes below. (laughs) Awesome. Good. Thank you. This has been so much fun. (laughs) Always. It's super fun. I, you know what? I, I always like talking to you and I hadn't talked to you in a really long time. Thank you. Um, you know what? I, I love what you're doing. And, and if this, if this inspires a single human being to a single action that they otherwise wouldn't have taken, then our job here is done. Mic drop. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And with that, thank you very much. And I hope the listeners have had, uh, have gotten something fantastic from this and had, and at least had a good laugh and enjoyed it. Thank you all. And I will see, talk to you next week. Bye.